0: One day, a few months ago, I was driving with my family, and as we were just driving, my son Landon whips out his keyboard. He had brought it. Oh, yay. And so he brings his, his keyboard with him, and he loves this one certain song, and, and he just plays this all the time. Here it goes. Right? Feeling that? All right, good. So we're driving in the car. Now, Landon doesn't just hit play and let it go. No, it's... And then he goes into the remix mode. He's going to be opening up for Anthony soon. It's going to be great. And so as we're driving, like, I'm starting to kind of twitch along with it, you know? And so then I'm like, you know what? I have to make a phone call. Maybe it'd be a now t- would be a good time. Now a little bit of an excuse for him to stop playing the keyboard, you know? So I, I say, guys, I need everybody quiet in the car. i got to make a phone call. Please just stop with the keyboard for a little while. And so I make this nice long phone call. And as I'm on the phone call, I'm thinking to myself, wow. It's amazing here. I mean, I have the guy on speaker, and then Lennon's silent, keyboard's quiet, how incredible. And so literally, as I, I start to wind down the phone conversation, hey, thanks so much, talk to you soon, have a great day. And then I said goodbye, and it was just like instant, like right back on. And I was thinking to myself, you know, the funny thing is, is Lennon, I can only imagine through that whole entire phone conversation, is going, don't press the button, don't press the button, don't press the button, don't press the button, right? And that reminds me a lot of you and me. Like, don't we go through our day, don't we go through life when it comes to temptation and sin in our lives, don't press the button, don't look at that, don't say that, don't let that anger out, don't be proud, don't click on the mouse, don't look at that on the screen, right? And it's all these don'ts. How do we actually overcome the temptation struggles in our lives? That's why we're doing this series here, because that tension that Landon was feeling to not press that button when I told him, stay away from that, is the tension that you and I feel every single day of our lives as we want to do certain things that we know God wouldn't want us to do. And so we're trying to figure out, man, what are we going to do that's actually going to help us overcome temptation? Now, last week, I encouraged you guys with a few things. First off, I just reminded you of some stuff we had talked about in years past, and that was we got to use God's word, right? I think one of the greatest verses that we can speak in the moment where we're tempted is like Jesus taught us to pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And so, man, you're at school tomorrow, you're at work tomorrow, and there's the temptation. Suddenly, it's, all right, Jesus, you said to pray. Lead me not into temptation, deliver me from evil. Later tonight, hanging out with some friends, they're talking about going and doing this, you're real tempted to go and join them. No, 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 Jesus, help me in the moment. We speak those words out, even if it's just quietly. Jesus modeled this for us, Paul told us this is what we should do, right? And so that's a big thing, but we didn't really jump into that last week, because we've talked about that so much in the past. What we really looked at last week was getting our eyes on Jesus, right? We said that the more that we see Jesus, the more clearly we'll see our sin for what it is, right? And the more we see Jesus, the less we'll want our sin. Because we'll realize he's better than our sin. He's better than all those things that we often so grasp at and try to stuff in our broken souls, right? And so I hope this past week, you just spent a lot of time trying to see Jesus. Just what is that for you? Some of you guys, I hope you spent some time in the word of God, just daily seeing Jesus in the word. I hope some of you guys prayed this week and had a great conversation with Jesus. I hope some of you guys went on a hike. I hope some of you guys turned on some great music and just worshiped God. I hope some of you guys journaled. I hope some of you guys painted some art and you just felt near Jesus. And during all that, you saw and were reminded of the truth that he is better. He is better than our sin. But tonight, we're going to take a little bit of a different direction. And I hope this is just incredibly practical for you. I hope this is something that you walk out of here saying, okay, I can so do this. this I, like every single person in this room, I have 100% confidence, can handle this. Like my nine-year-old knucklehead with the keyboard can do what I'm going to tell us to do tonight. It's powerful. We often miss it. But it's something that we can all grab a hold of and live out and see some of our temptation broken. Temptation's a big deal. I don't know if anybody in here, don't raise your hand, but anybody in here struggle? struggle, Do you struggle? Do you guys struggle? (laughs) Anybody in here struggle with some of the things that I'm going to bring up in just a minute? Anybody here struggle? Just controlling your mouth, you know, like the things you say. You get mad and things start flying out. Or maybe you get with a certain friend group. Man, I remember like college, high school, there was like certain three or four guys put me in the same room. I'm gonna start saying some really dirty, raunchy stuff just because I'm with those guys. Anybody ever struggle with that? Anybody ever struggle with looking at porn, with sleeping around, with doing some things? You just know this is not what God has for me to do. Anybody here struggle with just some, some low level impurity, even? How about gossip? Just speaking out against people behind their back, right? What about. Idolatry, just loving anything more than we love Jesus. And so it's when I love myself more than Jesus, when I love success, when I love stuff, when I love entertainment, when I love my wife, my kids, when you love your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse, when you love your future dreams, and you're just chasing those things down more than Jesus. When when you love, you know, video games, Fortnite. I actually love Fortnite, but it's not for why you think I've never played it because I'm horrible at video games. I love it because it's the number one parental disciplinary tool I have in my life right now. It's amazing. I'm am going to write a thank you card about yay big to Epic Games. Thank you for creating Fortnite. My children are so well behaved right now. It's wonderful. But man, we love so much stuff more than we love Jesus. And that's called an idol, right? Every, anybody in the room struggled any of that stuff I just brought up? And some of you guys would say, well, no, Doug, you didn't bring my thing up. That's okay. You know what your thing is. And so the question is, how do we overcome this stuff? And that's what we're really trying to figure out in this series. And it's so important to talk about because God wants us to overcome our sin struggles. Like God wants us to get past these things in our lives. Not perfectly, you ready for this, but consistently. Consistently. That's possible. God wants us to work past these things. And some of us, as we, as we saw last week, we just feel like we are our sin struggle. Like we are gossip. We are porn. We are impurity. We are addiction. We are partying. We are bad language that's who we are and i hope tonight and i hope last week man just to convince you that is such a lie you are not your sin your sin is not you and we're going to see how that plays out here tonight i hope we also remember that one of the reasons god wants us to overcome our sin is because he loves us so much and he knows how much our sin stinks he knows how much our sin is not our friend which is something i've been trying to drive into you guys for years and years our sin is not our friend if we spend enough time with sin we begin to realize it stabs us in the back every single Time. I don't know who the youngest person in the room here is tonight, actually it's probably baby Aguila, (laughs) but we're going to go a little older than that. But the youngest person in this room beside baby Aguila can look back on life already, no matter how young you are, and realize that sin stabs you in the back every single time. And so tonight, God says, hey, I have something better for you, and I have some really practical ways to overcome the temptation in your life. Not perfectly, but consistently. Wouldn't it be amazing? if that thing didn't have a death grip on you anymore? Okay, yeah, all right, maybe you struggle with it once in a while, but hey, there's the grace of Jesus to carry you, pick you back up when you and I fall, right? But wouldn't it be amazing if that one thing didn't sort of have that death grip on us? So we speak the word of God, we see Jesus for who he is, but what else can we do? We're going to look here tonight. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm sure that in in your life there are some temptations you wish you didn't give into as well. And maybe we would disagree on what sin is or, you know, what God says and if God's even there and all that kind of stuff. But there are definitely some things in your life you'd love to kind of get past in life because you've seen that sin burns, right? And so... Tonight, not only do I hope you see kind of a great strategy for overcoming the temptation in our life, I also see, you ho- I hope you see, rather, how much Jesus has done for you and what he's done with our sins. So we're going to look here today at what Paul has to say. And Paul was a missionary. Paul was a guy who planted churches and loved Jesus a lot. But one of the things we are clear on is this. Paul was passionate to help people overcome their sin struggles. Like he was all about, as you read through scripture, as you read through the letters that he wrote to different churches, he was so passionate about people living for Jesus and getting free of those things that seem to plague us and own us. And so look at what he says in Ephesians 5 verse 3. He says something really powerful, really challenging. Before we get to the how, we're going to see some challenges up front, okay? He says, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity you're going, Doug, that doesn't tell me how to overcome my sin. I know. It just gives us something to aim at, okay? And Paul here says, hey, not even a hint of sexual, sexual impurity. Now, a lot of us in the room would say, all right, well, for starters, I'm, I'm not as bad as so-and-so with this, right? And this is what we do a lot in life. It's like, well, okay, I, I'm not doing great in this area, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so, so at least that's true. And Paul here is telling us, don't compare yourself to so-and-so, not even a hint of sexual impurity. I don't know about you, that's incredibly challenging. It's like maybe if this were 100 years ago, right? Give me 1918, maybe I got a shot at purity. And some of you guys are arguing in your heads with me right now. Some of you guys work in New York City, and you're going, Doug, I drive to the city every day, and there are 1,000 foot by 1,000 foot billboards of practically naked people I drive by every single day on my commute. I'm supposed to be pure? Some of you guys are going, Doug, do you ever hang out with the guys after school or work? Like there are a couple of you guys in the room who have told me you've been at work and someone has literally pulled the phone out of their pocket with, like, basically a half-naked lady and said, yo, check her out. And I'm supposed to be pure in this environment? Some of you guys are arguing, Doug, you ever been to Walgreens, Doug? I just want to buy some Altoids, Doug. And I go up to the checkout counter, and there's all these shady magazines. I guess they figure it's the checkout counter, you know? And so I'm, I'm there, and I'm trying to, I just want to buy some Altoids. What am I supposed to do here? Some of you get that later tonight. It's okay. And what, what am I supposed to do? Like, walk in like this, and, and just ask store clerk, when I pointed the Altoids, can you let me know? Snickers. Reese's right I just want some Altoids right it's like either it's going to be good breath or purity I can't do both right so what do I do here in the year 2018 to be pure not perfectly but consistently how am I going to do that well we're going to get there but I do want to just encourage you guys with something because you know what I think I think sometimes we fall prey to one of Satan's great tricks I think we're in Walgreens right CVS, if you're not a Walgreens person. And we're standing at the counter. And there we are, trying to buy the Altoids. And there we notice the magazines. And as soon as we notice them and we have them in sight, suddenly the enemy says something to us. So what does he say? One word, pervert. Right? And what's so interesting is is we have to realize that that first noticing of the magazine's physical existence in our perimeter is not sin. But Satan likes to make us think it is. Like, for example, if I'm right here, I'm obviously standing in this proximity going to notice there's a keyboard here, right? And so often, we notice the keyboard or we notice the magazine and we hear a pervert and and instantly, what do we do? We go, well, I already looked once and, and messed up, so why not take a second look? Or why not take that image with me for the rest of the day and think about what I saw? And what we have to begin to realize is, wait, 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 okay, I now notice this is here. Now I have a choice. I have not sinned yet. Now I have a choice. Am I going to look back? Or am I going to bounce my eyes? Am I going to start to think about Jesus? Am I going to take that image with me? Or am I going to start to think about Scripture and speak Scripture, right? I'm going to turn my back and check out like this. Here you go, lady. Run the credit card. Turn my back. Because I don't even want to hint of sexual impurity. So don't fall prey to that. But how do we pull this off? in our day and age. We're going to see that as we move on a little bit later. And then he says, or of greed. He says, okay, not even a hint of greed, which again is incredibly challenging because we want stuff, right? We love stuff and we love money and we love feeling comfortable and we love buying things, you know? Like back in the day, there was something, I'm going to educate some of you guys who are a bit younger here today. There was something called layaway. I don't know if some of you guys know what layaway is. Layaway was when you walked into a store and you didn't have money, Right? and you had maybe like a fraction of the money you needed, and there was no such thing as 0% credit cards where you just kind of charge it and pay for the next 9,000 years, right? So you walk in, and you see a jacket you really like, and you're like, that jacket's amazing. You're like, how much is it? And the lady's like, 350 bucks. And you're like, I got 37 right now, right? And she goes, okay, give me the 37. I'm gonna take the jacket and put it in the back of the store. You come back next week and give me 37 more, whatever you got, and when you pay the 350, you get to take the jacket home, And what you would do is, you'd give the 37, and then over the next several weeks, you would, like, date your jacket. You'd come in, and you'd hand some money, like, is it right if I go back and see her? You know? And you walk in the back, how's it going? They're treating you all right? I'm going to get you out soon. I just got to mow, like, 13 and a half more lawns, I'll have what I need for my allowance to come get you out of here, right? That is a different world. All you had to do in the olden days, (laughs) olden days, good Lord, all you had to do back in the day was just avoid the store. Guys, now we have the store on our, in our pocket, in our computer, on our device. We have the store with us. So now we jump on Amazon. We get to see the jacket in 47 different colors and shapes and sizes. We get to upload a photo of ourselves to see how the jacket will look on us. And then we click with one buy, and a drone drops it up at our front door in 10 seconds. Right? This is the world we live in. How am I supposed to not even have a hint of greed? Are you kidding me, Doug? He goes on. He tells us why we shouldn't have a hint of sexual impurity or greed. He says, because these are improper for God's holy people. He says, this is not how we live as Christians. We shouldn't be okay with this stuff. And that's the struggle here. Some of us walk into the room okay with this stuff, right? And Paul's telling us, no, no, that's not how God's holy people live. And and what you need to hear tonight, as I work us through some challenging verses here, is how we've become God's holy people. Just so you know, if you're not a father of Jesus, we're not a bunch of people who walk in the room going, patting ourselves on the back going, yep, man, I killed it this week. I'm just so holy. I'm just such a good person that I've gotten God's attention, and he must think I'm it. That's not how it works. We're going to see even how we can call ourselves holy throughout this. But then Paul goes on, a little more challenging talk here in verse 4. He says, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Are you kidding me? No dirty jokes. Do you know how out of place I will feel? Do you know how much I'll stand out in the office or my school if I don't join in, in those jokes? Huh, you'll stand out. I, I think that's actually part of the point, isn't it? That We stand out, that we don't look like everybody else around us. Then it goes on, verse 5. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person. This verse makes us real nervous. Such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. This verse scares us because we look at this and we say, well, I struggle with some of the things Paul brought up. Sometimes I say some dirty jokes. Sometimes I swear. Sometimes I do struggle with purity or greed. Or So does that mean I'm not a follower of Jesus? Does that mean I have no relationship with God and I won't go to heaven one night? I know that's not what Paul's saying. What Paul is saying is the person that's in trouble is the person that doesn't care about these struggles. It's the person who has stopped battling and thrown up their arms and says, I give up. Just take me away in purity. Take me away in greed. Take me away. Paul's saying that person, there, there's a breakdown in that relationship with Jesus. There's a breakdown in the connection point with Jesus if we're okay with this stuff. If we are wrestling with this stuff and we are struggling with this stuff, then we are in the fight and we have our radar tuned to God and we're going to continue to learn and grow in these battles. Then he goes on and this is another kind of intense verse and if you're not a follower of Jesus, really pay attention here. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of such things, God's wrath has come on those who are disobedient. That is super intense because it tells us that God has wrath because of our sin and it is poured out on people who are disobedient. Now first of all, the first thing we have to talk about here is that God is absolutely just to have wrath. Some of us look at God and we're like, I don't want to know a God who has wrath. Really? Think about that for a second. If you created a whole bunch of people and then they revolted and they started murdering each other and raping each other, and doing horrible things to each other, don't you think there would be some just wrath in you that would say, I got to put an end to all this? Are you ready for this? This is what's so important. How did God deal with sin? The wrath that should have been poured out on me and you the disobedient cuz we're in that category guys, right? Instead was poured out on Jesus on the cross. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is huge. This is so big. Yeah, I want you to hear how to overcome temptation tonight, but even more than that, I want you to hear what Jesus has done with your sin and my sin. He's carried it on himself. That's why he died on the cross to show us his love and to prove to us that we were purchased by him to be his own. And so when we talk about being holy in here, we are not holy because we have kept any rules. We are holy because Jesus died in our place, took the wrath of God in our place, and made us holy. And now we get to look at that and say, because of that, I want to live a life of purity. I want to live a life without a hint of greed. I want to live a life where I'm not saying all kinds of impure jokes. I want to live a life that honors Jesus. And by the way, my sin always stabs me in the back, so there's that too. And So get that order right. Then he goes on, verse 7, another misunderstood verse. He says, therefore, do not be partners with them. Well, don't be partners with who, Paul? Well, he was just talking about them, the disobedient. And Christians, you ready for this? Here's what we've done with this verse. What a mess we've made of this verse. We have thought that this verse means that we have to cut out all the people in our lives who are doing sinful things. That's not what this verse is telling us because Jesus tells us the exact opposite. Go chase those people down, love them, serve them, bring them to me, right? What this verse is telling us is don't partner with them in their sin. That's how we don't partner with them. And so don't mix that up. Don't mistake that. Don't get that backwards. Don't cut them out. Serve them, love them. The only time... We walk away from a friend as if hanging out with them pulls us into their sin, or they're a follower of Jesus who refuses to see the sin in their life and do things his way. And so then Paul says this, and this is identity stuff, guys. You ready for this? Remember last week we talked about how so often we believe we are our sin and our sin is us. Look at what Paul tells us. He says, for you were once darkness. You were once. That was true of you once, Doug, Doug. You were once such a mess, and your sin was you, and you were your sin. But now you are light in the Lord. You used to belong to the dark. But I love love what it says here. It doesn't just say the light has shined on you. It says you are light in the Lord. And so now as we are changed by God and his light has filled us, he begins to shine out of us, sitting right there in the front row this morning was a lady that my mother and father-in-law have known literally probably about 50 years. And the reason that that lady became a Christian is because she saw my father-in-law and mother-in-law transformed by the grace of Jesus in their life. The reason she put her faith in Jesus because, and I, my father-in-law has shared this very publicly, so I'm not saying anything anybody doesn't know or, or, or that he wouldn't share himself. He went from drug addict, literally 24-7, kicked out of the house by his wife, on the brink of divorce. That was the the couple this this woman knew. And then they surrendered their lives to Jesus and they were transformed and they have one of the best marriages I've ever seen in my life, hands down. And this lady has a front row seat to that. The light shined brightly. And guys, listen, this is one of the reasons why we can't mess around with our sin anymore. There's a world around us of people like that lady in the front row who need to look at our lives and say, Man, what is different about them? You see, some of us have believed this lie that if we're like kind of stealth and we're close enough to what the world likes, that's the way we'll win them. But man, Paul said, saying, no, 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 you were one darkness; now we're light. And so we have to get so serious about the sin in our life because it destroys us, it's against God, it comes between us and God, but there's a world around us that needs the light. And then Paul says this, live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Paul tells us, hey, this is who you are. You are children of the light. Now live like it, okay? But how? How do I do that if it were only that easy? Verse 11 is our key verse. Look at what Paul says here. He says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. You ready? Last four words. So huge. But rather, expose them. Expose them. Do you want to get serious about breaking temptations hold in your life? Do you want to stop messing around with the things that you and I, we've been struggling with for so long? Do you know what we have to do? We have to bring our sin into the light. We have to bring our temptation into the light. We have to expose it for what it is. We have to say, okay, I'm done kind of keeping this in the corner and keeping this quiet. I have to bring it out so that it is known. Some of you guys might say, but what about the things I haven't done yet? I mean, the series is about temptation. All right, I'll bring my sin out, but why would I bring those things that tempt me out into the light? Because why would we wait until we do them to bring them out into the light? Can we head that off before it happens? What if we bring them out now? What if we share our struggles now so that they don't end up leading us down that road? Here's what we need to realize, guys. You ready? Sin grows in the darkness, but shrinks in the light. Temptation grows in the darkness, but it shrinks in the the light. I don't know if any of you guys have ever gone down to your basement and maybe moved like a uh, suitcase or something around, and maybe during the summer when you move that suitcase or that box or whatever, you notice some mold on the ground. I don't know if anybody's ever had that happen, and you go, oh man, what happened down here? Well, it was so cold and so dark down there that it let that junk grow. And guys, some of us, man, we've got some mold in the basement of our lives. We've got some stuff hanging out down there, and it's growing because it's in the darkness. We've got to bring it into the light so that its power can be lost. Sin's power is broken in the light. Temptation's power is broken in the light. Verse 12 says this, It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. That last word, secret, is a huge deal. Do you know why your sin and temptation have power over you? Because it's in the secret. It's our secrecy that gives our sin its power. But when we decide, okay, I'm done messing around with this. I'm going to bring it out into the light. Watch it lose its power. Some of you guys might say, but Doug, I don't want to bring my sin into the light. I don't want to bring my temptation into the light. I'm enjoying it right now. I just want to remind you that it hates you and it's out to kill and destroy you. That's what our sin wants to do to you and me. Rabbi Zacharias said this, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And this verse is a candid reminder that our sin... Leads to shameful, broken places. So we don't want to hang on to our sin. Look what it says in verse 13. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. And so not only does bringing our sin out of the darkness, out of the basement, expose it and help others begin to see what's going on. and, And the power of that secrecy is broken. It's also, now I can see it all lit up and I can see it for what it is. And I see how nasty it is. I see I don't want this anymore. Why would I keep choosing this? It's so broken. It's so broken. Verse 14 is the last verse we're going to look at here. He says this. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I love that. Paul says to the church, can we please wake up? Can we please wake up and can we stop messing around with our sin? Can we stop keeping stuff down in the basement? Because it's growing. Death is growing in the basement of Our lives, And here we are running around trying to figure out how to hit stop on the keyboard and and Paul's telling us, I could tell you a real easy way to break the power of sin and temptation in your life. Get it out into the light. If you want to get serious about it, expose it. And I love what it says in verse 14. This is, I'm sorry, this is the last verse we're going to see. This is why it is said, oh no, we already read that part, right? I love what it says at the end there. Christ will shine on you. Christ will shine on you. See, You know those really cold days you walk outside, the sun's behind a cloud, and suddenly the clouds move, and you feel the sun rays hit your skin? That's what this verse is trying to tell us Jesus will do in our lives. When we get serious about our sin, we say, okay, I'm done playing around. God, here it is. Here's what I've been up to. Please now shine on me. Some of us haven't felt the warmth of God in so long because we've been keeping so many sinful things hidden in the basement of our lives. There's nothing like feeling Jesus shine on you. You could, whatever, porn, sex, money, stuff, you can throw all out the window. It does not amount to feeling Christ shine on you. He is our reward. And so what sin do you have in your basement? What mold is growing down there? What deadly thing is in that quiet, cold, damp, dark place that's ready to kill at any moment. What temptation do you need to shine the light on and illuminate your sin? So it's brought out and the secrecy is broken and so you see it for what it is. There's just three words I want you to remember this week. Illumination breaks temptation. When we illuminate our sin and our temptation, we will see the power of it broken. Illumination breaks temptation. We have to bring our sin and our temptation into the light, so you go, great Doug, how do I do this, right, there's a lady at the 930 service and she came up to me after me and she was like, man, you know, you you went this whole like length of the message and I was so hoping you were going to tell us, like how do we actually practically do this, now we get to that, how do we do this, well, what we're not going to do is like pass a mic around and just share all of our secrets, that would be very interesting, all you guys who normally fall asleep on me, you'd be awake for that, I guarantee, right, it's not what we're going to do. There's really two conversations that need to happen so we can bring our sin into the light. First one is us and Jesus. Jesus, here's what I've been doing. And can I just remind you, he knows anyway, right? You're not gonna you know, confess your sin and he's gonna be like, what, are you kidding me? He knows anyway. But you know what, there are times when my kids are up to some stuff and I know about it, but I still wanna have the conversation with them. I still want them to come to me and go, "Dad." Here's what I've been doing. And the same is true with Jesus. He knows what we're doing. He's not dumb. He sees the basements of our lives. But he wants to have a conversation with us. And the scripture tells us we go to him to forgiveness. And so conversation number one is Jesus. Conversation number two, you ready for this? Is each other, guys. Is each other. We have to have a trusted person who loves Jesus in our life that we can bring our sin into the light with. This is why community is so important. This is why community groups are so important. Not that we will sit in a community group in somebody's basement and share all our deep, dark secrets, but in that setting, we form relationships with people so that we can pull somebody aside after on the way out to the car and say, here's what I've been doing. Would you help me with this? I hope what you're hearing tonight is we are not meant to fight our temptation alone because we will not win. We need Jesus and we need each other. Somebody recently came up to me a few weeks ago and just said, Doug, I just need to talk with you about some stuff. That, there's been some stuff that I've been doing, and I need to just confess it. And I'm not a priest, right? We confess to Jesus for forgiveness. You don't confess to me for forgiveness or each other for forgiveness, but we confess to each other for healing and for the power of sin to be broken, right? And so he said, I've been struggling with some stuff, and I just want you to know that I'm going to bring this up with you pretty regularly. And I also brought it up to a couple other friends that love Jesus and love me. And I've told them what I've been doing, and I've told them how I want to stop, and I've told them some different guidelines I've put in place. What was going on there? It was bringing the sin up out of the basement into the light, right? Saying, I'm serious about this now. See, that is what what has to happen. We have to make that decision. Okay, I'm actually going to stop this. As some of us are believing the lie right now, and you're like, you know, here we are, almost done with the message. You're going, I hear you, Doug, probably right, but no. Just remind you, your sin is out to kill you. It is not your friend. It will always stab you in the back. And there are people in our schools, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods that need to see the light of Jesus shining out of us. And our sin gets in the way of all that. And so who is the person in your life you can have the conversation with. Some of us need to pull a friend tonight aside and say, I need you to know that I'm a straight-up liar, man. I've been lying. A lot of people like me more. I like to cover things up I'm not proud of. And I'm just bringing that out into the light. Please help me with this. Some of us need to pull a friend tonight aside and say, I struggle with pornography. I look at it every stinking day. I'm sick of it. And I'm so tired of this death grip on my life. Can you please check in on me? Can you text me? couple times a week, can I text you or call you when I'm in the moment and I'm feeling tempted and I'm ready to, to give in again, can I, can I do that? Some of you guys need to say, man, I'm just a gossip. The next time you hear me start to rip somebody apart, please just shut me up. Tell me Jesus is better. Remind me he's better. And so who is that for you? We all have Jesus. We all have that conversation. That's easy. But who's the person? Who is the person with skin on that you're going to look in the face tell about your sin so here I am cruising through my day right and I'm preaching this message this is my third time preaching this message and I'm I'm just you know kind of going through the day I mean not in a proud way but I'm thinking to myself I don't really know what my big thing right now would be to share it with somebody you know I'm I'm certainly imperfect and I sin every single day and I you know there's stuff I got to work on but I didn't quite know what that big thing was and during worship I'm sitting right there and it just like smacked me in the face I know exactly what I need to have a conversation with somebody about. As Joey was out here praying, I just got on my knees back there, and I just had the Jesus conversation. I said, Jesus, this is what I've been doing, and this this is the the attitude that I've had, and this is what's wrong in my heart, and I'm so sorry. Forgive me for this. And next, I haven't done it yet, but next i got to have the people conversation. And I'm not really looking forward to that. But I know it needs to happen because the sin needs to come out into the light and the temptation needs to come out into the light. And in the light, it will lose its power. Will we still struggle with it once in a while? Probably, right? But no longer a death grip. And when we fall short, the grace of Jesus is there because he got on the cross and he took the wrath of God in our place. But the power of it, the secrecy of it will be broken. And in the light, we will see it for what it is. And so, will you have that conversation? I've seen this work over and over and over again. There are some of you in the room that have confided in me. There are some of you in the room I have confided in you. And we've seen the power of sin broken in our lives. And so will you take God at his word tonight? And will you allow your sin to come up out of the basement? And will you say... I'm going to light this thing up and remind myself that I am a light. I have the light of God in me. That this illumination will break the temptation, that bringing the sin and temptation out into the light will break its power. If you're not a follower of Jesus tonight, I hope you'll think about looking at Jesus. I hope tonight what well, you have heard me say is he ac- overcoming sin and temptation is important and that's great and all, but the most important thing I have said tonight is that Jesus got on a cross and rescued every single one of us because we could have never rescued ourselves. And so I hope you would be willing to put your trust in Jesus tonight. Don't sit back. Don't be okay with your sin. God has so much better for you. Illumination breaks temptation. Let's pray. God, we bring our sin to you. We bring our temptation to you. We bring those things that we're not proud of. And we ask you for your forgiveness. And we now ask you for boldness. To have the hard conversations we need to have. So that sin will stop stealing from us. If you're a follower of Jesus, what is it for you? What is that thing? What has had a death grip on you? What do you think about and you think about yourself, man, this is who I have been. that's the thing you now confess to jesus and that's the thing that very soon you talk with somebody who loves jesus about i want to encourage you tonight to have the conversation with jesus and honestly i would also encourage you tonight before you put your head on your pillow whether it's through a phone call or somebody here in the room or whatever you got to do to have the other conversation with somebody staring you back in the face or listening intently on the line don't put this off because this is the kind of thing when, you know what, tomorrow you wake up you're like, eh, maybe my sin's not such a big deal. On Tuesday, it's a little less of a deal. And by Wednesday, you're thinking, you know, I'm just going to kind of not do what Doug talked about Sunday night. So don't put this off. Have those two conversations. Bring it into the light. You will not regret that. Sometimes it's hard up front, and there's maybe even some consequences up front. But long term, you will not regret bringing your temptations. If you're a father, if you're not a father of Jesus tonight and you would like to put your trust in him, I'd encourage you to just pray something like this right now. Jesus, thank you for getting on the cross for me. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for enduring the wrath of God that should have been poured out on me because of my sin. Thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy. And God, I'm gonna to try to do things your way now. And I thank you, this is not about works, it's about grace. And when I fall and I stumble, on this journey, pick me back up. Remind me that you're good. Remind me that you're worth it. Jesus, change my life from this day forward. In your name I pray.